0: Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Show notes and additional episodes are available at kellydryfullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog at comlawmonitor.com. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group.
1: Hello, and welcome to Full Spectrum. I'm John Heitman, Chair of the Communications Practice Group at Kelly Dry. In today's episode, we'll be sizing up the FCC in 2021. I'm fortunate to be joined today by my colleague and partner in the Communications Practice Group, Steve Augustino, and by Dana Wood, who is co-chairs our Government Relations Practice Group. And Dana is going to actually uh, lead Steve and I through an interview uh, in which we're going to be talking about the potential implications uh, the election, which is just two weeks away, might have on communications policy. So welcome, Dana.
2: Thank you, John. The, as you just mentioned, the election is less than two weeks away. There will be changes at the FCC, regardless of which party wins the White House. Can you elaborate, Steve?
0: Yes, yes Dana, thanks. I'll start first on that. Uh, At the FCC, it's sort of institutionally designed to have change right around elections. The Communications Act mandates a three to two split among the commissioners with no more than three members from the president's party. So if the presidential party changes, the FCC naturally is going to change. But in addition to that, there are five staggered terms at the FCC, and that leads to natural opportunities for change. Because we always have at least one commissioner who is expiring and sometimes one commissioner who's on a holdover. So there are many opportunities to change the personnel with every election.
1: Hey Steve, I'll jump in here as well. We actually have that scenario right now. We have uh, Commissioner Mike O'Reilly, whose term has expired and his holdover term has expired. And uh, his nomination was withdrawn by the president, and the president has nominated a different uh, Republican and Nathan Symington to take his place. And uh, there'll be confirmation hearings coming up in November for uh, for Mister Symington. Uh, But um, it is anything but certain that uh, Nathan Symington will be confirmed at this point. It's rather late in the game. And uh, there is no pairing, obvious. if Jessica Rosenworcel was also uh, in an expired term and she is entering her holdover phase and she uh, gets to stay at the commission uh, until the end of 2021. Uh, she's not yet been renominated by the, um, the president. So she, although she'd be an obvious pairing with Symington, that nomination hasn't been made. So I think there's plenty of skepticism as to uh, what will happen with the uh, Republican seat that will open up at the FCC because uh, by law, uh, Commissioner O'Reilly now must leave the agency at the end of the year. Uh, and uh, with, uh, in, unless Symington is reappointed, actually, is uh, confirmed and uh, sworn in, uh, what you will have is a very interesting situation, regardless of the outcome of the presidential election. Uh, you will have a situation where it is perhaps two Democrats and two Republicans. And if Chairman Pai Uh, leaves the agency as um, he is um, widely expected to do. He's a very long-serving FCC chairman, and I think most people think that um, he is preparing to um, set sail. If he were to leave, um, it would be even a two-to-one Democratic majority, uh, regardless of the outcome of the election, uh, with just Commissioner Carr sitting uh, as the sole Republican. So interesting to watch at the agency. Uh, I think chances are fairly good that uh, the agency will be down in numbers, um, down to four or perhaps even three uh, come January.
2: So the rural digital divide has been a big focus under Chairman Pai and concerns have only been heightened with COVID with the need for virtual work, education, and life in general. What's the forecast ahead, John?
1: Yeah, Dana, thanks for that question. Um, I think both parties share a common goal. And uh, so you'll likely see the re- rhetoric remain unchanged on bridging the digital divide and uh and it is um you mentioned this rural digital divide, and uh certainly that's the most pronounced uh, aspect of the digital divide that has been brought to the fore by the current um, FCC, republican controlled FCC, over the past four years uh, but there are other aspects of the digital divide which have not uh, drawn as much attention from that um, from the republican controlled f c c and those include uh, the digital divide that exists in urban communities, right, as a result of um, some, what some might call redlining, uh, but, um, and also um, uh, the affordability aspect of the digital divide. I think the Democrats in particular are more likely to focus on affordability and access to technologies. Uh, digital equity is a term that I think we will hear uh, quite a bit going forward, especially if the Democrats uh, take control of the White House and the FCC. I think it will become a driver of commission, universal service uh, fund policy, and perhaps even spectrum policy uh, going forward. And that might mean more emphasis on lifeline, uh, more emphasis on expanding E-rate outside of the school, maybe Wi-Fi and buses, right? Distance learning and tools to solve the homework gap, which has become for many an all day long learning gap, right? And uh, rural telehealth, I think has been a focus, uh, particularly of Republican commissioner, Brendan Carr, but I think that will continue to be a focus as I think um, the COVID crisis has uh, pushed us beyond uh, the point of no return on telehealth, right? I think and that was the event uh, that uh, made it happen and uh, removed the skepticism because it was necessary for it to happen. And so now people need to figure out how to make sure that low-income populations can continue to access it. And also rural populations because of what has happened with hospitals in rural America. So many have closed. And finally, unlicensed spectrum. Uh, Certainly a focus of Commissioner Rosenworcel, and uh, I think it will be a focus of any Democratic uh, FCC chair. Uh, I think for Republicans, newer efforts are likely to continue, like the RDOF, the World Digital Opportunity Fund, and certainly the Connected Care Pilot Program. So a lot of commonality uh, in um, the desire to solve the digital divide, um, a little broader approach I would expect from the Democrats, and so... um, Uh, That is something that I think we can look forward to. I think there's also been plenty of talk about broadband infrastructure spending for several years. Um, But the parties haven't been able to agree upon a number or an approach. Uh, The Biden campaign, frankly, seems to be talking about the idea more than the Trump campaign. Um, Democrats on the Hill also have focused on it more. Uh, You know, the heroes uh, package of COVID relief that is currently stalled in Capitol Hill includes significant money. Uh, for broadband build out and um, for accessibility too, um, for broadband funding across the board. So I think um, while it's stalled in Congress at this point in time, I think if the Democrats control the White House and uh, perhaps even the Senate, uh, then you're gonna see um, uh, some movement on that front, I would expect.
2: John, I couldn't agree with you more. I was on a call recently with the chairman of the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee, Peter DeFazio, and he elaborated that he had been in consultation with the Biden campaign, and he has been encouraged to have a bill, infrastructure bill, ready for floor consideration as soon as February. And in discussing how broad that bill was, he specifically mentioned broadband, many of the issues you just focused on the grid i was on a call earlier this week with uh energy and commerce democrat and exactly like you said she also focused on kind of some of the issues hitting urban america specifically on the education side so i anticipate early action um, next year in terms of funding dana i was going to add in um, It'll be interesting to see what, uh, if there is a
1: Biden presidency, what the first 100 days looks like uh, in terms of telecom and tech policy and the things that uh, catch uh, and sort of uh, begin to move on Capitol Hill.
2: Well, and I think um, what I hear a lot on, and this was kind of articulated in that call was a desire to do potentially a stimulus package, almost looking at the model of 08-09 with the ARRA. And recall, it was Vice President Mm -hmm. Biden at the time that there may be a large stimulus package and an infrastructure package. I don't know if they'd be combined or they'd be separate, but that is also opportunities if you look for addressing some of these issues you just talked about. But another issue we hear a lot about is the race to 5G. What can we expect in that area? steve
0: well David, this is another area where the rhetoric and the goals are very similar so i think that you're going to continue to hear an emphasis on the need to build out 5g the need to clear spectrum make sure there's available spectrum for 5g uh, the importance of supply chain security in that and we'll talk a little bit more about that later here uh, but there are some important differences between the Republicans and the Democrats and sort of the way that they would approach this issue. For the Republicans, what we have seen in the last four years is a significant emphasis on reducing obstacles to deployment and reducing or preempting state and local review of antenna siting, for example, and other types of issues. I think we will continue to see that if the Republicans retain control I will note that uh, Commissioner Carr uh, is was one of the leaders of this area of this, and he will definitely continue on at the FCC, and I think will continue to push this particular area. So you will see that. Um, one interesting thing with the Republicans is that uh, President Trump's agenda has mentioned a national 5G network. And more recently, we've seen discussions about the Department of Defense putting out uh, an RFP for a 5G network. It appears to be it would be a, a private network, not a commercial network, not intended to compete with the commercial 5G, but there's a lot of questions about that. So there's a lot of questions, I think, about you know the seriousness with which that would be pursued in 2021 um, and the reaction and how the balancing will happen between Uh, government uses, military uses, and and commercial uses. On the Democratic side, uh, we're going to see less emphasis on that preemption question. Uh, I don't think that, you know, they see a role for states and local um, municipalities, but want to minimize um, the delay that that might occur, uh, might might generate for 5G deployment. Um, But you will see a, a continuation of the goal of freeing up more spectrum. Commissioner Rosenworcel in particular has made a push for a spectrum roadmap and much better mapping as to coverage than the And that's a, an area that has uh, been some difference between the Republicans and the Democrats over the status of the FCC's broadband mapping um, capabilities. Commissioner Rosenworcel was also a very good supporter of licensed spectrum, as John mentioned i um, to it as a, a digital sandbox. So I think you will see more opportunities for unlicensed uses of spectrum in a democratic administration, but they're still pushing for very similar goals here. The 5G mobile is in a, a critical uh, service going forward, and you will see the FCC pushing to make sure that that has happened and that uh, the U.S. can continue to lead in that area.
1: Steve, I wanted to chime in here. I think that um, I agree with uh, your points and uh, I want to emphasize that uh, I think talk of a national 5G network likely fades under a Biden administration, uh, unless of course that ship sets sail, right? As the president seems to be making an effort to seal his legacy in the final days of 2020 in the event he's replaced in January. And so um, I think that um, also uh, if we have a new um, democratic administration, I think that uh, one could expect um, a bit more coordination among federal agencies and a bit more coherent approach to spectrum among federal agencies because I think that the approach that we have seen over the past several years uh, among federal agencies, including the FCC, has been uh, relatively disjointed. Uh, Never have I seen uh, so many controversies over spectrum policy where it seems to be that certain agencies are at odds with each other whether it's the Department of Transportation or the Department of Defense uh, taking issue with particular approaches the FCC is taking on spectrum. It'll be interesting to watch. Um, back to you, Dana.
2: We've been talking a lot about the potential of the White House flipping. If that happened, what, is, what areas do you see the biggest differences between the Biden administration and the current Trump administration?
1: John? Thanks, Dana. I think uh, that if the administration flips and the FCC flips to democratic control, you will see uh, net neutrality once again uh, take hold and debates around net neutrality and digital equity, broadband privacy. All those things are uh, part and parcel of each other. And I think that will be something that is front and center at the agency. Uh, And uh, I think that will be interesting to watch, for sure. Uh, it'll be not the first time the agency's been through it, not the first time the agency sort of has flipped its approach, and I think people would expect the agency to flip its approach once again. But I wonder whether uh, there'll be an effort to try and resolve the issue once and for all with an enduring resolution. It might involve Congress, frankly. And then again, if the Democrats control uh, the Senate and the House and the White House, a solution that involves Congress becomes more tenable uh, and so that'll be very interesting to watch. Network security is another thing I think I would call out and watch this issue about network security and supply chain sustainability is something uh, I, that I don't think that there's a whole lot of daylight between the parties on. I think both the Democrats and Republicans have taken the issue seriously. And I think you can expect more work to be done by the FCC in this area. Uh, it was very interesting, I think uh, four years ago. The FCC had signaled it was sort of stepping out of the cybersecurity game, uh, but it had never fully stepped back out of it. Um, it just had uh, placed less of a focus on it, perhaps, and uh, maybe, uh, maybe issue a little less high profile for the agency. But I think that the issue becomes a more high, high profile um, issue at the agency, especially uh, if during the election, in the wake of the election, uh, we have, um, you know, continue to hear stories of, um foreign adversaries infiltrating our communications networks to influence the uh, result of elections. Uh, I also think um, administration change and it could mean uh, a different approach to Section 230. And so 230, of course, is uh, some people call it the the foundation upon which our internet economy has been built. Uh, And so there's a lot of debate about uh, Section 230, and it's become quite partisan. But there is a um, a fair amount of uh, consensus uh, across the parties that uh, 230 deserves a closer look, uh, and the question is whether the FCC itself has any authority to adopt rules under Section 230. I think the Democrats have made clear that they don't think it currently does as the uh, as the statute is written. Uh, Commissioner Michael O'Reilly, I think, made that clear, and uh, perhaps lost his uh, nomination um, because of that. And uh, while the uh, current chair and Commissioner Carr in particular, look like they are eager to forth on a uh, Section 230 rulemaking. So that will be very interesting to watch to see how far that gets and whether it gets past the point of no return. I doubt that it would, uh, because we can you know recall back when uh, there was a change from the Obama administration to the Trump administration. Uh, we did see the broadband privacy r- rules, net neutrality, uh, a classification, all of it get upended. Uh, so in this sense, I'm not sure that um, the current FCC can take Section 230 uh, so far that um, the next FCC can't undo uh, what's been done. So I think this is another area, interestingly enough, where there'll be a, an, an unusual amount of interplay between what goes on at Capitol Hill and then what goes on at the FCC, because the, I think the agency's jurisdiction to do something under 230 uh, is uh, in question by many.
2: Steve, would you wanna elaborate on enforcement be under a Biden administration?
0: Yeah, certainly. I just wanna make one quick comment about about the section 230 part John was talking about. I I agree with John, there's a very different view of the FCC's role in that question. Um, And even if the Republicans are able to move forward with a a notice of proposed rulemaking, it's unlikely, I think, that they'll be able to complete it by January. And even if they do complete it, as John, as you noticed, um, you know, congressional rescission is is a possibility there. So there's a big difference at the FCC on Section 230. I think there's less of a difference elsewhere about whether that statute should be looked at um, on that. So, but but Dane, to your question on enforcement, what I'll say on that is that Democrats in general have in the past had a, a broader view of the FCC's enforcement role. Um, in fact, in, under the Wheeler commission, we had the most active enforcement bureau ever, um, at that time. And there were many, many efforts to, um, extend the FCC's reach. Um, at least that was the argument many people were, were concerned with that it was overreaching in some instances, but, um, more of an emphasis on principles-based enforcement using the broader standards and goals under the Communications Act, whereas this last uh, enforcement bureau, the current enforcement bureau, focuses much more on specific rules-based enforcement. So I think you will see an expansion generally, um, and even in the robocall area, Commissioner Rosenworcel has many times criticized the FCC are not taking enough enforcement action there, even though there are many high profile actions that have been taken where there were $100 million, $200 million fines. She has said that they need to do more and more enforcement on that. And I think that you will see more of that if the Democrats are able to take control of the FCC.
2: So on the flip side to that question, where is the telecom agenda least likely to change should there be a Biden administration? Steve?
0: Yeah, Dana, I'll start. I'll, I'll throw out one. I talked about robocalls. I just said I thought the enforcement approach would be different. But I think in general, the anti-robocall approach is very, very similar. Um, and I think that you will continue to see this multifaceted approach to address it from call authentication, from anti-robocall enforcement, from better labeling of the of the information and of this broad-based effort to make sure that the calls that are received are wanted and that there is trust in the voice communications network again. I don't think there's a lot of daylight under between the two sides on that goal.
1: Hey Steve, I'll chime in here as well. I think um, there is probably not a lot of daylight on uh, the view of um, a democratic controlled FCC versus a Republican one on supply chain security and uh, the recent actions uh, taken by the agency against Huawei and CTE. And so I would imagine that will continue um, under a democratic FCC. Perhaps the approach would be more expansive and we would see the agency um, uh, do, I think, more of a principle-based approach and uh, extend its activity beyond the USF programs. And um, uh, also, if we have, uh, I think, Congress uh, can get some funding passed. uh, We have rip and Replace uh, to uh, administer, and I think you'll see that go forward um, if there's funding for it. And so I think that that will continue to be a focus regardless of which party uh, controls the agency.
2: John, let's continue along this theme. Um, Where might Congress come into play next year?
1: I think that's uh, fascinating. I think broadband spending... I think, uh, as you mentioned, uh, as we discussed earlier, right, maybe a first 100-day action item. And so that's a widely anticipated uh, broadband spending. And um, I think if it's going to be, um, you know, if if there is a regime change and it's a Democratic FCC, Democratic administration, Democratic Senate and House, um, I think broadband spending perhaps gets a broader, uh, a broader meaning, uh, I think, under the recent... Um, In recent years, it's about building networks where they don't exist today. Uh, And I think broadband spending under Democratic-controlled Congress and uh, FCC and presidency probably includes spending to make sure people can have access to these networks. So spending to make sure uh, the digital equity interests are addressed and that low-income Americans have access uh, just the same as uh, everybody else. And uh, so I think that a broader approach to broadband um, can be expected. Uh, I think broadband privacy... Is another thing, and more privacy more generally, right? The FCC has had since the reclassification or perhaps the re reclassification of broadband as an information service, the FCC has had a diminished role on uh, privacy and uh, has punted most of the field over to the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, if the agency uh, reclassifies broadband again as a telecommunications service, uh, the agency would – arguably have jurisdiction once again to impose its own set of privacy rules. Whether that will happen or not remains to be seen. Uh, but I think it's gonna be part of a debate that is not limited to the agency, but it plays out in Congress because there is I think a decent appetite um, on both sides of the aisle for national privacy legislation. And so this will be a, a, a facet of that debate. And again, I think that's something that might move if you've got one party control over the White House and Congress. And uh, net neutrality is also a related theme, right? And I think it goes and plays well into the issues that both parties are um, grappling with right now and sort of uh, latching on which is um, the power of um, big companies over the internet. Now, net neutrality is actually focused mostly, um, it has been focused on the power of the ISPs, um, uh, AT&T, for example, uh, Comcast, right? on the power they have as gatekeepers to the internet. So it's a little bit of a different approach, right? And it's a little bit of a different issue than that that has sort of caught fire in recent days where the, um, the focus has been largely on um, Google, for example, or Amazon. So I think those are areas that I think will be very fluid and will involve a, a decent mix of uh, interplay between Congress and the FCC and uh, with respect to privacy, certainly, and uh, internet, the Federal Trade Commission as well.
2: Steve, your thoughts on issues that Congress would come into play next year in Congress?
0: Yeah, I'll add a couple more things on that. Um, is the, in the area of E-Rate, uh, the, the biggest asks right now before the FCC are deal with expanding E-Rate's coverage, uh, particularly to providing broadband support outside of the school campus, whether it's Wi-Fi on buses, or hotspots to address the homework gap. And I think Congress's impact on that is gonna be significant next year, particularly if there is a change in in control. Um, I think it will be easier to gather a consensus on that. I think they'll definitely be looking for Congress to define a little bit more of the limits of where that kind of E-rate spending goes to address digital divide, equity issues, things that, that John has mentioned earlier. Um, a second one I'll point out, and this one is a little bit contingent upon what happened the Supreme Court with the Facebook case, but the question of an auto-dialer and TCA reform could very well be pushed into Congress's hands, and um, that has been something that Chairman Pai has avoided addressing, despite dealing with all these other robocall issues, and despite dissenting in 2015, on the FCC's expansive definition of auto dialers, He has not taken action on that. So I th- think there really is a, an expectation that Congress is going to need to clarify and determine how to update the 1991 law and whether and to address current technologies. And then lastly, while there's a big difference at the FCC, um, I think there is broader agreement that with addressing Section 230 issues and the role of big tech, um, that that needs to be a legislative solution, and I don't know if there's enough consensus out there for something to happen. I suspect there probably isn't yet, but I think there will be a, a lot of the Section 230 debate would shift to Congress instead of the FCC.
2: I'll elaborate a little bit in terms of the spending that we've talked a lot about this morning. Um, We're operating, as you know, under a continuing resolution, which funds the government until December 11th. So when we get to the lame duck in December, there will either be an extension to buy more time to resolve the differences between the House or the Senate or they will come to a consensus. I heard from an appropriator the other day that they, she is arguing, a cardinal in the House, that she thinks they ought to, the Democrats, should they take all three chambers, and that's what we're talking about now, that the Democrats come up with a consensus between the House and Senate appropriators, so they would be in a position to move quickly, maybe even right after the inauguration, to get government funding, back on course so they don't run into the Biden administration in terms of what his their priorities would be. So under this scenario, and a little bit what I articulated earlier, the elections in two weeks, we'll see the results um, in November, December, they'll deal with the continuing resolution. You get the inauguration early January, a potential resolution January, February, and then maybe a stimulus package or more spending um, in infrastructure package in February. So it's going to be very active time on many of these issues we've talked about today. So for my last question, I'll let you both speculate a little bit who is most likely to take the chair position in 2021? And you can have one Democrat and one Republican. Steve?
0: Okay, I'll start first. You know, there on the Democratic side, there are, are several leading contenders that are discussed a lot. Um, current Commissioner Rosenworcel and uh, former uh, Commissioner, former interim chair Clyburn. Um, but to me, you know, I am... I'm cognizant of the fact that the Democrats almost always seem to pick somebody from the outside, you know, um, an unexpected person, Hunt, uh, Reed, Hunt, or Chairman Jenikowski or even Chairman Wheeler to some extent. So um, I'm not going to give you a name, Dana, but I'm taking the field over the favorites on the Democratic side. Um, On the Republican side, I think to me it's very clear that Commissioner Carr is the one in line to take the chair if Trump holds the White House. And Pi uh, does leave the commission. And so I'm going to stick with Carr on that one. I think that's the safe bet there.
1: Hey, Steve. I I will agree with you. And I'm going to agree with uh, Dana. I'm going to agree with Steve on the Republican side. I think uh, Commissioner Carr uh, has got a line on the the, uh, chairman's spot uh, if uh, there's a second Trump uh, term. And uh, on the Democratic side, I'm going to agree with Steve in a way. I think uh, that um, both um, Commissioner Rosenworcel and former interim chair and Commissioner Clyburn are um, eminently well qualified and uh, certainly uh, uh, lead the list of names that people are bringing to us. But um, one of the two actually has status as uh, uh, the field as well, right? She's an insider, but also now in the field and that's um, former chair Clyburn. And so I think that um, if I were placing a bet, my bet would be on Um, Union Clyburn uh, to be the Democrat's choice. Uh, She's eminently well qualified. She's actually now in the field. And so I would um, not be surprised if she was returned to the FCC as uh, chair. Um, But that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Commissioner Rosenworcel and uh, any number of people who are advising the Biden team right now on the Democratic side are also uh, good candidates uh, to come to the agency, whether as commissioner or chair. So it's going to be, you're going to see some new names um, for sure um, in the pipeline um, and perhaps uh, on the Republican side. Uh, if there's uh, a change, you might see a different nominee. If uh, Nathan Symington does not get confirmed, uh, I would imagine that you'll see some commissioner nominees come from a more traditional route through the uh, Senate. Um, and uh, then you will see some different names come. Uh, to the four for open Republican seats. But I, I think has probably got a line of the chairmanship should it be a second Trump term. Back to you, Dana.
2: Well, thank you both. Um, we discussed a lot of issues today. And as I just mentioned earlier, a lot of activities coming in the weeks ahead, weeks and months ahead. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Dana.
1: Well, thanks, Dana. And thanks, Steve, uh, for a very interesting discussion about uh, tech and communications policy post-election I uh, thank everyone for listening today, and I uh, hope that you will look out for more from us uh, going forward, as uh, we'll have more to say post-election, actually, as things become clear, which party will control uh, the presidency uh, and the uh, Congress, as well as the FCC. So look out for more on uh, our podcast, Full Spectrum, and look out for more coverage of the election from our government relations practice group post-election. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us, and have a great day.
0: The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.